If you're feeling stressed out and you got a big frown, listen to our show and slow the fuck down. Welcome to Slow the Fuck Down Show. Time to take a break from your fast-paced life. I'm sensuality coach Casey Hall. And I'm trauma healer Elizabeth Menzel. Each episode, we choose a theme and explore different stories, skills, and songs to help you deal with the cluster cuss that is life and the ongoing stress of the pandemic. On today's episode, slow the fuck down with grief. Get cozy, grab your favorite beverage, and soak in our soothing support. By the end of the episode, you'll walk away with practical skills that actually work. There's a lot of collective grieving happening right now. So many of us are grieving the loss of loved ones, jobs, income, predictable routine, health status, and overall sense of belonging. Yeah, that, that's a lot. Yeah. Some effects of grieving are really loud and recognizable, while others may be more subtle and undetected. And the holidays are here. We think that rather than puff it out, we could shine a light on the ways that grief may be showing up for you and offer some extra compassion, support, and skills in dealing with how you're feeling. If hearing this feels soothing to your soul, we dedicate today's show to you. And you know, most people don't even know that what they're feeling is grief. I know that in my life, I've not known that what I was feeling was grief because I just think that grief isn't always what people think it's supposed to be. It's not always connected to a person dying. It could be connected to the ending of a relationship, the ending of a job, a big move, right? So any change, any shift in circumstances can produce the feeling of loss of something because something's coming to an end. You know, like going away to college is an example. You're excited, you're going on to something new and big in your life, but there's also the loss of the home and the routine and being with the people you love on a regular basis. So even when something exciting and positive is happening, there can also be a sense of loss and grieving is necessary. I know that when I moved to Pittsburgh, I was super happy and excited. I felt totally in alignment and still I really deeply grieved leaving my mom and my friends behind in Los Angeles. I've had times in my life where the grief was so strong that it absolutely decimated me. And then I've had times like this, like my move to Pittsburgh, when I could still feel happy and good. So normal grieving is a both and. You can feel a very deep, very real pain in your heart and cry a lot, but you're not absolutely destroyed, devastated, and distraught. So there's varying levels of grief. And that's the difference between normal grief and feeling really depressed. And both of those types of grief, the pain of loss can feel really overwhelming. You can experience difficult, unexpected emotions, everything from shock to anger to disbelief to guilt to profound sadness. And so feeling that overwhelm and feeling those ways can be completely normal. When you start to drop into depression is when you notice that you're having trouble keeping up with a normal routine, like going to work or cleaning the house. If you have thoughts that life isn't worth living or of harming yourself or just an inability to stop blaming yourself. So if you are finding yourself feeling these ways, you can go to betterhelp.com, fill out their form and check the I am grieving box and get the support that you are needing to process your grief. 
don't wait to get support. This is what I always, always tell my friends and clients that are grieving. Grief is wild. It is unexpected. It will hit you at really inconvenient times. Like I've been suddenly brought to my knees in the salsa aisle of Trader Joe's. So you don't have to go through this grieving process alone because it can last for years, y'all. I didn't miss my husband after I left him, but I grieved the loss of our marriage for years. Like five years later, I'd burst into tears. So grief is weird. It's wild. Get support. In the past four months, I have lost my uncle and my aunt. And my uncle passed suddenly and my aunt was slower. And so I was actually able to be with her during a lot of her dying process. And there were so many aspects that came up as a result of that and so many experiences and so many conversations that I've only started to grieve it in bits, in small little parts. And I will be completely fine for a couple weeks and then all of a sudden it'll just hit me. And like you said, you know, you dropped at Trader Joe's. I will just cry. I will just lay there and and cry or I'll be angry or, you know, it just kind of feels like a little tidal wave that just like smacks you and then you're in it. Mm -hmm. I've had jobs in the past where we find out that a coworker lost a loved one. And if it's a Wednesday, then we're like, okay, well, you know, hey, take the rest of the week off, grieve and come back Monday and be ready to go. That's the standard allotted amount of time and response that it's like, okay, yeah, take a little bit of time and then like get back to it on Monday. But what I want to say is don't put pressure on yourself to feel better or to move on because other people think that you should. When you are grieving, that is the time that you need to be extra compassionate with yourself and take the time and space that you need to grieve. Absolutely. And you know, I think that a lot of people don't want to see a grief therapist because they think that the grief therapist will force them to move on. And they feel like that's a sign of disrespect to their loss of their loved ones. And that's not what grief therapy is about. They don't force you to like move on or move away from your sadness or push away the pain of loss of your loved one. They help you deal with it because grief is so wild and weird and makes us do screwed up things. You can get caught in a cycle of hurting yourself or blaming yourself or being really harsh on yourself or not able to enjoy your life anymore at all. And you deserve to be supported through that. A recent study, now this was done before the pandemic by Amerispeak and WebMD found that 50% of Americans are grieving the loss of someone close to them over the last three years. That means that every other person you see is grieving because grief, it never really goes away, right? Now that was pre-pandemic, y'all. There's been so much loss during the pandemic of loved ones and also a loss of all those other things that we mentioned at the top of our show, your career, your job, your stability, your income, maybe even your home. There is a compounded collective grieving happening right now. And since we don't just get over grief and loss, we really do need to learn to cope with it. And we're going to give you skills today and resources so that you can cope with your grief.
you know, Elizabeth and I are personally committed to finding deeper and deeper ways to love ourselves. And as a result of that, we find deeper and deeper ways to love other people. And I think that understanding that grief is as common as it is with at least every other person you meet actively experiencing it, it really is an opportunity to connect to people on a human level. And so it's so easy to, to look at somebody and find what's different or what divides. But when you can really sink into this collective grieving that we're going through, I think it can offer that connection or that commonality between you and the person that you're looking at and understand that you get to have your own grieving process and other people get to have their grieving processes. And the more loving and supportive and compassionate we can be about that, the better off we are. And you know, sometimes after you lose someone, you're in kind of a numbness or a state of shock and you might not feel ready to grieve immediately following a death or an ending. And that's okay. That's okay. It is a process. It can be different for different people. It can take time. So don't put pressure on yourself to get over it quickly, but also don't put pressure on yourself to start processing sooner than you even have the ability to. In the past, when I have been grieving something, my initial reaction was to always go inside and cut myself off from everybody else and just deal with it. This time, with the recent passing of my aunt and my uncle, I felt that the dire because you know I'm an introvert and it's important for me to have my own space. But I actually found it really helpful to not completely isolate, to tell my close, trusted friends about it and what I was experiencing. Yeah, you did a really admirable job of staying in contact, sharing your feelings, letting us love you. I think it, it can be hard to do that, but it's so important. If you think you might be experiencing grief right now, don't isolate. Spend time with your friends and family. Spend time with loved ones. At the very least, text someone every day. Have a contact point so that you are not going through this challenging time all alone. Because, you know, when you're in deep emotional pain, it can be really tempting to try to numb your feelings with drugs, with alcohol, with food, with sugar, with work. Yeah, the great state of PA alcohol sales more than doubled in the first year of the lockdown. <laughs> yeah, not surprising, right? I think that was nationwide. So be careful because all of these are temporary escapes that will not make you feel better or heal faster in the long run. In fact, they can lead to addiction, depression, anxiety, or an emotional breakdown. It's not all emotional. Grief has an, a real physical effect on the body, too. Research shows that emotional pain activates the same regions of the brain as physical pain. Opioids, Tylenol, they all work to ease emotional pain right along with your physical pain. That's why it can be so easy to get addicted to it from an emotional standpoint as well as a physical standpoint. Slow down, fans. I want you to listen to that again and again and again until it sinks in. And then be kind to yourself. Grief can make it difficult to sleep, eat, or even think straight. Grief also increases inflammation, which can worsen health problems that you already have or cause new ones. It kind of batters the immune system, leaving you feeling depleted and more vulnerable to infections, which none of us need right now. And so this is why if you've ever worked with Elizabeth and I or taken any of our programs, we harp on meet your basic 
biological needs. That sets the foundation for you to get through pretty much anything. So exercising regularly, eating well, getting enough sleep, staying hydrated. These things seem so basic, but without them, your brain and body cannot function. That's right, because remember, when you don't take care of your biological needs, eating nourishing healthy food, getting enough rest, getting enough movement, that alone triggers the stress response in your brain and floods your system with stress hormones, which will make your grief even more painful. <laughs> Another thing that can be helpful when you're in grief is return to your hobbies Get back to the activities that bring you joy. Even if you don't do them as consistently, get back to them to some extent. Right, because you're trying to trigger the feel-good and happy hormones in your brain. So watch the shows that make you laugh. If you play a musical instrument, play it. If you sing or dance or paint. If you like to drink tea, sitting on your porch. Like, do the things that soothe you and make you feel good because that will create that happy hormone production. This can really help you manage the pain of your grief. So another way that grief can affect the body physically is heartbreak. The heartbreak of grief can increase blood pressure and the risk of blood clots. Yeah, people can die from a broken heart, actually die from a broken heart. And that intense level of grief can alter the heart muscle so much that it causes what's called broken heart syndrome. It's an actual form of heart disease with the same symptoms as a heart attack. I know because I thought that I was going to die because of the heartbreak I felt when I was grieving. Yeah, and when I just heard you say that, I felt this familiar feeling in my heart because I, I recently went through something similar myself. Now, I have been through grief before in my life, but I have never been so aware somatically of what that grief felt like in my body because the work I do is helping to bring awareness to what's going on inside the physical body. And so this time I was really able to connect and identify what I was feeling as it was happening, which was totally new. Elizabeth Kubaras came up with the various stages of grief, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And during my recent breakup, I was able to tap into some of these. When my partner broke the trust between us, I immediately went into a state of denial. Like there was no way what he was saying could possibly be true. And it was just this, no, that this, this is so far from my realm of being able to accept that it just got categorized into denial. And I was like, I, no, there, there's no way that this is actually true. Then I went into shock, but I didn't know I was going into shock. Yeah, we don't. That's the thing about shock, <laughs> right? It cushions you. It's a cushion. It was like for three days, I was just existing like I was still eating and going to the bathroom and going about my day, but I wasn't actually there. I was just completely disassociated from what was going on because it was it was too painful. I didn't realize that. But then on day three, I woke up. I had this really tight, excruciating pain and like behind my neck and my shoulders were like up to my ears. And I got up and I'm like, uh-oh, something's off. And so I was like, I'm either going to shit myself or pass out. So I got up, tried to make it to the bathroom and did both. And 
woke up in a cold sweat shaking and was like, oh, what just happened? Now, I am an extremely healthy person. So for me to experience something like that, I immediately was like, something's really wrong with me. And the moment that I woke up and I was just like lying there with cold sweats, I remember immediately saying to myself, I got you. What do you need? I got this. What are you needing? Just again and again and again. I was like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going to happen. But like, I got you. And my partner was there and it was like, what do you need? I was like, figure out what the closest urgent care is. And I just kind of went into this like stating my needs. And then I ended up getting medical attention, calling you, (laughs) who was like this amazing angel who came over and was able, you know, with your magic abilities, could help me locate physically what was going on. And once I got through that stage of it, I remember a distinct point where the anger kicked in. Now, I am a very kind and loving person, and I have a lot of anger. I always have, and I think that can be yielded for good or bad, but this anger came on with a collie-level fierceness, and I'd never felt that extreme of of anger in my life. And that went on in spurts for the next couple months. You know, it still comes up. I'm sharing all of this because I know in my life I've experienced these varying degrees of emotions and emotional states, but I've never actually been as aware as I am now. And I feel like for those listening, these are normal responses to grief. I was grieving. I was in shock. I was in denial. I was angry. And I don't think that those stages are normalized. And I think a lot of times it's hard to connect with them. So I hope that in the sharing of that, there was at least a piece in there that you could connect to and be like, oh, right. Oh, that was grief. Yeah. When you were going through all of that then and now, I'm very impressed by your ability to stay aware, stay connected to yourself, take care of yourself, let help in. And, you know, you have this beautiful ability to be both the experiencer and the observer where you can pull back and see yourself not in a disassociated way, in a connected way, where you very quickly are able to drop in and describe what you're going through and have just a great understanding and awareness of it very quickly. And Slow Down fans, that comes from years of practice. She, she wasn't that way a decade ago. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, the, the denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and finally acceptance it's not a totally clear, always linear checklist, right? Like, just like all healing, you spiral through, you can go through different parts, and you can go through different parts at different levels. When my now ex-husband told me that he kissed someone else, I did this fantastic job of spiritually bypassing my own feelings. Mm. And going right into who I thought I should be as an evolved spiritual woman. And I was just like, that's okay. I love you. It'll be fine. And of course, you know, I think there's a way to do that sincerely. But I was, I just want to own, totally spiritually bypassing and not dropping into, right? So that's a level of denial. Denial of my own feelings. Denial of what was really going on in my marriage. There was a moment about two months later when I came to total clarity that my marriage was over and that my four years of agony and suffering were done. And it was such a strong and beautiful moment of clarity. And it was after that, that the anger came. 
and like I said earlier, I, I, I processed through those levels of grief for years until the energetic contracts of that marriage were completely dissolved. It took a really long time. I love that you own that you knew that you spiritually bypassed. I didn't know it at the time. <laughs> But you can you can look back on it and have that realization now because I think that that's that's really important, especially in the spiritual communities. That's it's so easy to do. So I love that you presenced that. And I will own that when I first saw Elizabeth Kubler Ross's stages of grieving, in my mind, I was like, oh okay, they go in sequential order: anger, denial, bargaining, depression, acceptance. And then I'm done, and everything's great, and I passed grief. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And in the story that you just shared, I mean, you got to acceptance and beyond and then the anger came. And so that's that's just telling right there that there are stages, but they don't have to be one after the other. And it gets to look however it needs to look. Yeah. Which is usually messy as hell. Processing grief <laughs> is, is not in a neat little package. It is a it is a hurricane of a process. Just want to say that in the following years of the process of dissolving my marriage, you know, there was also a bit of a loss of identity to go from the lifetime energetic contract you make with someone that you are going to be with them for the course of your whole life back to being a single person, right? So identifying as couple and then identifying as single again was a really tough switch. And that was a huge part of my grieving was I was I was grieving the loss of me as a coupled person. I'm wondering if you would be open to sharing any of the somatic feelings around that. When the grief came up, it was hard to breathe. My heart muscle felt like it was constricting so hard that I was, I would just like grab my chest. The emotions would be completely overwhelming like they would just take me over wherever i was <laughs> whether i was in public or private and i would just be completely soaked with tears and i want to repeat that i was really happy to be rid of him <laughs> to be away from him i think you know my circumstance was particularly weird because i was less grieving the loss of him and more grieving the loss of the life i thought i was going to have with him and I'll tell you, with Dale, I would miss him. I would miss him completely. I have never for a minute missed my ex-husband. But, you know, Dale's been gone for two days and I miss him. So I think that can be a, a very strong indicator how I know I'm with a much better match now than I was in <laughs> then, that's for sure. And, you know, while acceptance is one of the steps of grieving, I still have a daily practice of acceptance because life is always changing. There is always loss happening in some way and gain happening in some way. We're constantly letting go. Every exhalation is a let go so that we can inhale. It's completely natural, this process of loss and found, releasing and receiving. It's the physics of being human. Living, just living your life means there will always be loss. And I think that we fight against loss. I know I do. I fight against loss all the time. 
it's totally normal. But I also have this practice, a daily, maybe hourly, maybe minute to minute practice of acceptance, accepting what is. We've been trying to get this abandoned house on a lot behind us. It was supposed to be a two month process. It's been a year and a half and we were so attached to getting this house just for the legal fees that we hadn't stepped out and looked at the bigger picture and run all the numbers. And we did that and we came to this place of letting go of what we thought we were going to get and experience and pay. <laughs> and a peace came over us that we did not expect. I slept better last night than I have in ages, and he texted me this morning from Texas saying that all of the stress and frustration around the house were completely gone, and he felt calm and great, and so did I. So acceptance is such a powerful, powerful tool, and it allows you to move forward in a positive way. If you're not there yet, that's fine. Like we said, this can be a very long, very messy process. It could take you many years to get to acceptance. But the reason I bring it up is to help you just crack the door open that acceptance is a possibility that can bring you a lot of healing and you still get to grieve. <laughs> Like we said, this is not a linear straight line with an end goal. But if you just crack the door to a little bit of acceptance, I promise you it will lighten your load, it'll ease your burden, and it'll lessen the war that might be going on inside of you right now as you fight against whatever is happening in your life. Yeah, beautiful. And sometimes it's just that teeny tiny cracking open of the door. Yes. <laughs> So down fans, if you have not watched the show, The Good Place, please go watch it right now. <laughs> I think it's probably one of the most philosophical TV shows ever made. And it, it does such a respectful job of dealing with the human condition. And there's a part in it towards the end, I think in the last season, where the demon, Michael, is learning about what it means to be human. And the star of the show, Eleanor, says this beautiful line that has always stayed with me, which is, well, humans are always a little bit sad. Hmm. I remember that. It gives such permission, right? I mean, I founded the Happy Woman Academy. I do happiness training, but I never have ever taught that you don't also feel sad. Part of being able to feel happy is the acceptance that you will also always feel a little bit sad. And once you can accept, oh, right, I'm human. <laughs> I'm going to feel everything all of the time. Sometimes Casey asks me, hey, how you doing? And my response is everything. <laughs> right? Because I'm, I'm feeling joy and sadness and anger <laughs> and silliness all at the same time. So for me, in my journey of overcoming trauma and the symptoms of PTSD, happiness is about accepting. I'm always going to feel sad and anger is going to creep in there too. And grieving's just kind of always going to be around. There's always going to be something to grieve. And that 
helps me to move forward in my life, not stay stuck in depression like I did for 40 years, and enjoy the highs more thoroughly, to feel pleasure in my body more deeply. When I'm fighting against what is, I bounce between anxiety, depression, physical and emotional numbness. When I accept what is, I can feel it fully, but then those feelings get to move on. And they're, of course, going to come back. So just as sadness is always there, joy always gets to be there too. I love how you say that. And I love the permission that that gives because so often we think because we're feeling a certain way, then that certain way is defining how we are and who we are when the reality is that we are everything. So when you say everything, it's true. And, and how much room does that leave? How spacious is that? Yeah, it feels a whole lot better within my body, within my world. It allows me to keep manifesting from a space of possibility and positivity instead of feeling stuck manifesting from my fears. It opens me up again to crack that door open, bring in some acceptance and allow myself to feel good. I think one of the reasons that grief feels so painful is because it feels like a sudden loss of connection. So in the example where someone passes away, you're just, you lost that connection. You feel like you've lost it and it's gone. And at that point, it can feel like you're just totally alone and, and there, there's a hopelessness there. And then you start processing grief in the way that you need to. And when you get to the point where you've processed through it enough, that desire comes back to reconnect. So that feeling of loss has been kind of moved through. And now there's this desire to reconnect because you're missing the connection to someone. And I think that that's actually one of the beautiful things about grief is, you know, it is an inarguable fact that nothing is permanent. Everything is always in a constant state of change. And with as hard as it is to feel grief and with as much as that hurts, it's also a constant invitation to seek connection or to remember that you are connected. And so in you know, the past six months, I am grieving the loss of my uncle. I'm grieving the loss of my aunt. I'm grieving the loss of my best friend. I'm grieving the loss of my partnership. And at the same time, it is stoking the flame of wanting to connect with other people in my life on deeper levels. And that creates newness and new relationships and new connections or deepening of older ones. And so I think that that's one of the silver linings of grief. It is one of the best inspiring forces to find connection again. My grandfather was my favorite person and I lost him when I was 12 years old and our already dysfunctional family pretty much completely fell apart after he died. So the loss was compounded because I barely had any semblance of family anymore and was pretty much in a free fall for the next 20 or 30 years. And so I profoundly missed him. Something that I started doing soon after he died was talking to him and visiting with him, even though he was no longer here on the earth plane in a physical body. 
he was a master carpenter. And throughout my life, whenever I've had to make some furniture, fix something around the house, I've invited him to come help me. And he has. I suddenly can do things that I couldn't do a few minutes earlier. And I keep that connection going. So even when you lose the person on the earth plane, you don't have to lose the connection with them. Keep it. And I keep up photos of all of the family members I've lost in a place where I see them every day. And I say, hey, grandma, <laughs> I lost her 20 years ago. And the grieving hasn't stopped, but the love and connection remain. So even during your grieving process, you're allowed to feel love and connection. It doesn't have to be the end of your connection when you've experienced the loss of someone. And I think that's something too, that a grief counselor really helps you with is that sense of connection first back to yourself and then to the other person. I love everything that you just said. I have a fondness for trees. They've been around for so long and they hold this wisdom. So I, I just love connecting with them in general. And the last time that I saw my aunt, she was passing of brain cancer. And so her cognitive abilities and her memory was kind of sporadic at the end. But I remember she looked at me and I said, how will we communicate after you're gone? Because we had this understanding that this connection doesn't end with these physical bodies. And she looked up behind me at this big tree and she's like I'll see you in the trees oh that makes me teary yeah and I love it because now you know I still go and I meditate with trees as part of my my practice of my caseiness and I can feel her like I can I can feel that connection there and it's so it's like yeah that's what I needed like she with that connection is it's still there that's really beautiful and now a word from our sponsor and then your slow down interview slow down song and slow down skills. Hey, slow down fans, it's me, Mother Nature. I grieve the extinction of species. I grieve knowing that humans have destroyed a tenth of the Earth's wilderness in 25 years. I grieve the loss of rainforests that once covered 14% of the Earth's land surface and now cover a mere 6%. I grieve the loss of 90 indigenous tribes since the 1900s. With them have gone centuries of accumulated knowledge of the medicinal value of rainforest species. I grieve knowing that these losses are well documented, yet people's greed and overconsumption just keeps going. Thank you, Mother Nature. I feel your pain. And now for our slow down interview. We are so excited today to welcome Dr. Diamante Walker to the show. Dr. Diamante Walker is the Deputy Executive Director of the Urban Redevelopment Authority of Pittsburgh, otherwise known as URA, and also serves as the Executive Director of the affiliated Pittsburgh Land Bank. Diamante understands the complex challenges we face as a region when trying to create meaningful change in neighborhoods. She offers solutions to expand economic development and empower people while transforming place. Welcome, Dr. Diamante Walker to Slow the Up Down Show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to do this interview. We're really excited to have you. This is what I said to Casey about you. After I met you at the Civic Leadership Academy, I was like, this woman is made of fire. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I burned a few things down in my in my life. <laughs> but it's like the it's like the phoenix. You know, beauty rises from those ashes. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So I am so intrigued because of how I see you present yourself and how you are. You're you're so active in the community. You're so busy. How do you slow down? <laughs> like how does, how do you use slowing down in your life to help you? You know, I think so. I get this question a lot, right? Like, how you know, how do you do all of this? How is this you know happening? And as, and I think people are shocked when they hear how much sleep I get. I get a lot of sleep, and I said, you know, I am the advocate. I'm the poster person for sleep justice. <laughs> I am the postal person for sleep justice. And so I get, and so I really believe in sleep. It is the way that I care for myself and I nurture myself. And so I have a very healthy sleep life. And so on Sundays, you will, I mean, it is nothing, you know, for my family to see me, you know, start a nap at 11 and wake up at four or five. Right. And like, and, I, and so I, because I may have worked a couple of 12 hour or 14 hour days, but I'll be honest with you, because I am so disciplined in making sure that the things that I do are quality and that they're driven by by passion and purpose and, and discipline, that I don't um, I don't feel overexerted, right? Like, so I, I I am doing the things that I think are germane. Like, my occupation is my vocation. Mm -hmm. I am doing what I am called to do, so it is a natural extension of my living, and so that has its own pace and its own cadence. Now. I'm a human being. And when you do too many 12 to 14 hour days, you do have to slow the F down. And so, and so I, for me, it has also been like having accountability partners and folks who can check blind spots and say, Hey, I see you going 90 and you need to be at about 65, right? Like, or you're in a residential zone. You need to be at 25 and, you know, and 30. And so, you know, I used to be very anti-vacation and very, you know, worried about what's going to fall through the cracks if I, you know, if I'm not there, if I'm not doing the things. And as I started to really develop in my leadership practice, and I became very focused on what I call the five levels of leadership, which is when you get to this point where you're trying to create and cultivate other leaders, it was, I am going to harm people that I am in charge of if I am too busy. Sometimes, you know, as women, we, we're self-sacrificial, right? Like we'll go, 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 go. But when I started to understand that, hey, if you do that thing, that could have been an opportunity for somebody else. So your no is not just a no, it is a no but, and it is directing that energy to some other folks that are at the point in their careers. And they're like, well, they want to be a little bit more busy. They want to be out there because I have so much on my plate, but it is definitely a well-balanced meal, right? I'm getting veggies, I'm getting protein and I love dessert. I'm going to eat my dessert first. And so I can tell you that. I mean, so that's some of what I do in slowing down. It is just using accountability partners and also remembering to be that part of loving myself is going at a speed that is natural for what it is that I'm trying to do. I did. I took three and a half week vacation at the end of the year last year. It was medicinal. And then I went into like intense quarter of working. And I told people that I felt like I had a brain related injury after coming out of that. But then I took another three weeks off and it was restorative and the world didn't crash and the URA is still thriving and going. And it is humbling, right? And it's, And I think that sometimes not slowing down can be a form of arrogance, right? Because you are thinking that 
should you not slow down, the world won't keep ticking. Mm. Well, I I know better than that. (laughs) And I believe myself to be a humble practitioner. It's very important to me to be, I'm I'm afforded this opportunity, right? Like anybody could be the URA's deputy and I've been afforded the opportunity to do that. So I want to be responsible with it and not burn myself out. Well, amen to every single thing you just said. And I just want to do a, a quick recap in case it can help because you gave so much great slowdown advice from you get your sleep on. Yes. <laughs> You're a sleep queen. Would you say a sleep justice advocate? Uh-huh. <laughs> and that you give yourself breaks and that you know when you give yourself a break, you're giving someone else the opportunity to step up and you're replenishing your own well. And you're wise enough and humble enough to know that you have to do this so you can be the best you can be and that the whole world isn't going to fall apart just because you take a break. That's right. And if it does, they're not paying me enough. (laughs) (laughs) You've hit on all of our like last six or eight episode topics. Pretty amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And with the pandemic too, right? That's come with its own set of unique challenges. Has the presence of the pandemic forced you to slow down in any way? Uh, the pandemic has been a reckoning, right, for, for all of us. It's It's been a reckoning. And I've been, you know, saying as I've been speaking in various different platforms that the URA had to do some soul searching as an institution, and I had to do some soul searching as a person. And so the pandemic, whether you want it to be slower or not, <laughs> you didn't really have a choice. The The world literally stopped. And so we had two choices. We could fall apart and we could feel sorry for ourselves, you know, and and be really forlorn about what was happening in the world. I think that we all collectively felt that. But I also saw this window of opportunity to say, you know, if I didn't have to get up at, you know, six, six, seven o'clock in the morning, right? Because I'm going to get that sleep. I get get up at seven o'clock in the morning and get in my car, drive down to work, you know, go hard for 10 hours, come back, eat. And then, you know, love on my kids and my husband a little bit and then go to sleep. You know, what would I do with that time? And that in that time, I use that time to really restore and replenish myself. You know, I can get up at, um, you know, now the pandemic showed me that I do have time to get up and go for a walk and exercise before it was like, I got to be in my car and I got to be on the, you know, 376 by this time and get there for this first meeting. And, you know, Thank God for Zoom. Like Zoom has given us the ability. Now, you know, I, I, I'm i mindful before it was that I could go from one conference room to the next. It makes no sense for me to go from one Zoom to the next. I know that I've got to take that break, 15 minutes to get a glass of water, to take a bio break, or to just breathe in and breathe out. Like you, like Zoom fatigue made you do that. And I am so grateful for it. And I think the other thing is that with the pandemic for me, it was every, you know, things were important and things were urgent. And then nothing became more urgent than knowing that your family was okay, that your friends and your colleagues were okay. And so I believe that we replaced connectivity with proximity. And we thought that because we were in proximity to folks, we were connected to them. And I, you know, and you quickly learn that if the only way that I can touch and understand you is through a screen, like the one we're sharing right now, then it has to be more, it has to be deeper and more meaningful. And we can slow down enough to say, let's make this moment on this Zoom to connect because I I don't have the privilege of having you in my office or being next to you or spending holidays, you know, the holiday with my family. We had to have a virtual 
Christmas, right? We could not be in the same living space together for the first time in 20 years. And that was hard, but it makes you appreciate it so much more. And, but for the pandemic, I would not have been able to get to that level of gratitude. Yeah. Really, really beautiful, Diamante. Thank you. Good wisdom. I just felt that in my heart. So Diamante, what's your favorite slowdown song? So my favorite slowdown song, and this is a tougher question for me because I'm not, you know, really a hardcore music person. So folks are learning about me today. I'm much more into audiobooks and podcasts and things like that. But the song... Um, the song that I would say, you know, kind of slows me down and, and helps me to hit my reset button, if that's the way that you want to put it, um, is Over the Rainbow by Israel Kamakawiwo Ole. You did it. You said his name. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, you already had a gold star, but now you're Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and it's so funny because I, I didn't really have a slow or a cognitive slowdown song, but I was, you know, on Facebook a couple of months ago and I learned the story of how he wrote that song. He woke up at three o'clock in the morning, from what I understand, and asked a friend of his to use the studio because he had this melody that he just had to get out. And so he goes to the studio. He, he does it in one take at, you know, at three or four o'clock in the morning. That song is perfect. It is impeccable. And he didn't overthink it. <laughs> he didn't. He just he just kind of let it flow. And he knew that he had to deliver something. And he made himself a vessel to allow that to happen. And it is so beautiful. And when I hear the chords, it just it just does. It's like meditation meditative for me. Thank you for that question. That's a wonderful question because, you know, that that is definitely my slow down song that brings you back center. Uh, and I love learning that he composed that song in the moment. Like that's in real time. It is a song delivered in the moment to help you get in the moment. It's the way that I, so it's a very meta thing that is happening. <laughs> and I bet you that's that's why that song is so well received because it's so real. Well, we find, you know, we need friends to help keep us accountable. And music also helps us slow down. You know, we don't have to do all this stuff all up by ourselves. We can get people to help us and music to help us and places to help us. Yes, that is beautiful. Is there anything that you would like to advocate or promote for URA? So I would love to take this as an opportunity to promote um, our small business and home ownership programs. So the URA has been very fortunate during this uncertain time with the advent of COVID-19. And we, as I said earlier, we were doing some soul searching. And one of the things that we realized is that we really need to show up for people. We really have to show up for residents and stakeholders and businesses that keep our economy and our city moving. And so we have a suite of business programs to help small minority and women-owned businesses in the region. And so we have a host of loan programs, some grant programs, and some new home ownership tools that will be coming online in the very near future. And all of that information can be uh, downloaded at www.ura.org. Fantastic. We are excited to get that link out there so people in the region can really take advantage of all the services you offer because I know you offer so much. Thank you so much for the opportunity to highlight the work and, you know, and how I stay centered as a professional. I really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, Dr. Diamante Walker, we loved having <laughs> you on Slow the F Down Show, sharing your slow down wisdom and the good work you do. Thank you so much. Thank you. And now for your slowdown skills. When grief hits, remember these four steps. 
One, take a breath. Two, wrap your arms around yourself. Three, say, I am safe, loved, and supported. Four, feel the grief. Just let yourself feel it, however that looks. Cry, shake, rage, whatever is there, allow yourself to feel it. And then, if you want to carry on with your grieving and really let yourself move through the grieving process, you can physically move your body as grief. You learn how to do this in our super slowdown stress release classes by using the nonlinear movement method. You actually let your body do whatever it needs to do, move however it needs to move to really express your grief and let it move through you. If you want to learn how to do this, just go to the happywomanacademy.com, click on the purple button. And it'll tell you all about it. And you can sign up for classes there. They're the second Saturday of every month. And they'll be continuing into 2022 on the second Saturday of the month. Or you can become a patron at the Sloth or Blue Whale level. And you'll gain free access to our monthly Super Slowdown Stress Release classes. If you want to do it that way to support Slow the F Down Show, you can just go to patreon.com slash slow the F down show. And if you want some free, fun, and really fabulous support on January 22nd in 2022, we are holding our virtual epic vision board party. Okay, you might think vision boards are lame. I always make fun of them, but guess what? This party is super freaking fun, and we have an amazing system that we teach you to help you make a really impactful vision board that will inspire you the whole year of 2022. Just go to thehappywomanacademy.com, click on the orange button, and RSVP for free for the epic vision board party. What makes our vision board party so epic? You can bring food cocktails, champagne, and we do a free speed healing circle on the hour every hour. Oh yes, it's going to be fun. Casey and I will see you there. In addition to you getting a grief counselor on betterhelp.com, we have some other resources for you. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross has an iconic book called On Death and Dying, and you can find resources at ekrfoundation.org. That's ekrfoundation.org. Yeah, they have a ton of resources there for bereavement and support and groups. And it's just an incredible place for you to go and get any kind of support books, whatever you're looking for. So that's a really great one. I was also listening to NPR while I was driving. And on the TED Radio Hour, I heard Nora McInery on their episode, Life's Rough Edges. And she's a TED Talk. She's an author and she runs the grief support group, Hot Young Widows Club. She has the nonprofit Still Kickin' and she's been featured in tons of magazines and she writes about topics dealing with grief and loss. Another really great 
great resource for you. And we're giving you a lot of resources right now because when it comes to grief, it's really important to support yourself in a number of ways. Um, when I was going through my most recent grieving process, I went to Gaia.com, which is an amazing resource in and of itself. But I typed in grief and I found a woman by the name of Aurora Winter. She is the founder of the Grief Coach Academy, which is the first coach training school devoted exclusively to training coaches how to coach their clients through grief. So for you coaches out there, that could be a helpful resource. And also just watching the documentary on Gaia.com called Grief Relief with Aurora Winter was really beautiful. She goes into her personal story with grief and it is just outstanding. And we've got one more resource for you and then a really great tip for you. I can't remember if it was Netflix or Hulu, but I watched a film called Afterlife and it was written and starring Ricky Gervais. You know, Ricky Gervais can kind of be a jerk, but he was amazing in this film. And it just, you know, follows a man on his journey through the stages of grief. Uh, I cried a lot. So, you know, bring the tissues if you're going to watch it. I felt like it was just really supportive along that journey of grief. So you can feel so alone when you're grieving and, uh, even through a, a show, like watching someone go through all those stages, I think is really supportive. The tip we want to give you is that it's totally okay to shop around and find the right counselor for you. So a great thing to do is, you know, if you go on betterhelp.com, you fill in their questionnaire and it takes you to a choice of grief counselors, you can request to have just like a five or 10 minute introduction. You're sussing each other out. You're feeling each other out. Do I click with this person? Do I like the tone of their voice? Do I like the words that they speak? to me. So you're allowed to pick and choose who you think might be a, a good fit for you to support you through your grieving process. Thank you for that tip. Uh, in my past job, I coached people on anxiety, stress, and depression. And when I was helping them and encouraging them to get professional support to seek counseling, I feel like I sounded like a broken record, but I kept saying, shop around. If you need to talk to five different therapists or counselors first before you feel like you found one that's a good fit, do it. Yeah. You don't have to pay for an entire session and go through a whole session and then decide like, oh, I don't like grief counseling. It, it, it's not the grief counseling. It's the match with the right counselor or therapist. So don't, don't pay up front. Go don't get a consultation first. So if you go to the notes section on the Slow the F Down show page, we will have links to these resources for you. And you can also find them on our Facebook page, Slow the F Down show. Hey, Casey, what was your favorite part of today's show? So this funny thing happens whenever Elizabeth and I go to prep for an episode where whatever the topic is that we're going to talk about tends to show up in our lives and give us like a really great opportunity to deal with it in real time. I'm so thankful for that because we bring that energy to these podcasts. This isn't just we sit down and randomly just start talking about grief. We bring our 41 years of professional experience working with people in addition to our own personal experience. And this topic was grief. And so I processed through grief like a champion. <laughs> A new layer of grief came up and uh, and I got to use all of my tools and loved the crap out of myself. 
So my favorite part about today's show was actually everything leading up to it. We were supposed to record two days ago and you and I have set the intention of running a business in a way that honors ourselves and our purpose and getting to create this with you is my favorite part. Elizabeth, what was your favorite part of today's show? My favorite part was about remembering that even when we lose a loved one, we still get to stay connected to them. It's still making me teary. And I'm so grateful for my own journey and realization with that. Last night, I watched a movie. It was one of those really corny Christmas movies. I've never done this before, y'all. This is my first holiday season ever that I've watched shitty holiday movies. This one was about a best friend that dies suddenly in a tragic car crash. The takeaway message from that too was that you still get to stay connected. You still get to keep the love and uh, you still get to keep them in your life by talking to them, by being with them, by holding them in your heart. You know, when the person dies, your connection to them doesn't have to die. So that's that was my favorite part of today's show. Slowdown fans, as a bonus holiday gift, we are reissuing Slow the Fuck Down with Holiday Stress. So go listen to that right now. It is there for you. You can listen to it, and it is definitely going to help you handle this holiday season. Otherwise, this is our last episode for 2021. We are so grateful to you for listening. In the new year, we're going to be focusing on fun, sexy, healthy relationships in preparation for the Love School's premiere of the Love Another program. Ooh la la. Yes, you can go check that out at thelove.school. That's thelove.school. And hey, sign up if it feels right for you, because we know that once we launch this next year, we're going to sell out fast. Happy holidays. We love you. Thank you for listening. And thank you for supporting our show. If you're feeling stressed out and you got a big frown, listen to our show and slow the fuck down.